Welcome back to QAV, ladies and gentlemen, TK. This is episode 544, timestamp, Tuesday the 8th of November, 1.13pm in Brisbane, 2.13pm in Cape Shank. How are you, TK? Good. Now, the weather's great down here now. This will be the shortest podcast recording in history, and I'll be out in the golf course afterwards. <laughs> I'm surprised you're not hitting the balls out the off the deck yeah. while we're talking. <laughs> Well, you know, get it in while you can because it's the U.S. midterms tomorrow and according to some of our friends uh, over there, the world's going to come to an end if the Republicans win one or both of the houses. Uh, it'll all be over. The end of democracy as we know it. <laughs> That's a certainty, isn't it? I think the Republicans are almost a shoe to win both houses, which we see every midterm, which the stock market will like because uh, the Biden administration can't pump any more money into the economy. Everything will grind to a halt government-wise. Fracking's back on the agenda. Oil pipelines are back on the agenda. Stock market will go nuts. How's that good for the stock market? The Biden administration's pumped $70 billion into Ukraine aid, which really is just all <laughs> going into the US economy. Isn't that good for the economy? War is good for the economy. That money is just getting pumped back in. Well, the Republicans will probably want to pump more <laughs> when yeah. it comes to military. Well, they say they're going to pull it back, but... I can't see that happening. By the way, at the end of this episode, I've invited Dennis to uh, record a little bit of an update. Yeah, great. He's back, he's back in Kiev. Well, no, not great. He's back not in great. Kiev. Kiev, I just saw the mayor of, I think, Kiev is warning all the citizens to be prepared to leave town because uh, they have been having blackouts and water shortages, uh, but it looks like it could get worse, according to the mayor. So hopefully Dennis is uh, still there and still okay and still able to record something for us today. But Anyway, we'll get. I've asked him to give us a eagle-eyed update, eyewitness update on what's going on. Wow, good luck, Dennis. I hope you go fine. You should be fine for the next day or two because apparently all the Russians are working on the American election. <laughs> Putin's <laughs> chef saying that, yes, we have interfered, we are interfering, and we will continue to interfere very strategically. Good on him. Um, speaking of uh, bad news, I, I found, I don't know if you remember Mick Stanek, I don't know how early you started listening to G'day World, but I found out a couple oh, of days ago, well, the guy I started podcasting with, uh, my original co-host, Mick Stanek, back in 2004, we started G'day World, the first Australian podcast. A few months later, we started the podcast network, the first Australian pod, uh, the first the world, world, first podcast network in the world. I hadn't spoken to him for years and years and years. We had a falling out and um, I Googled him to see what he was up to. And I was thinking about, well, it's, we're coming up to the 20th anniversary of podcasting in Australia. Maybe we should do a reunion. Found out he died uh, early 2020, passed away, age 51. He had early onset dementia and uh, it was shocking. Shocking that it happened. B, shocking I hadn't heard about it. He was uh, one of the founders of podcasting in the world, along with myself, and he uh, died and no one told me. There you go. So I've got about 15 years until I'm driven crazy by this and get early onset dementia. Yeah, I wonder if working with me had anything to do with it. Yeah, so. Mm. Anywho, there you go. Life moves on. The dismal science Tony, what, what's the dismal science, do you think? Which one of them is the dismal science? <laughs> There's only one, economics is the dismal science. It's a great article in The Fin today, Stephen Mab. I was yesterday, actually, Joe Aston column, Stephen Mab sent us a link to. I'm going to read it because it's, uh, it's fun. I think our audience will like it. Commonwealth Bank of Australia Chief Economist Stephen Halmarek had some pungent feedback 
for the Reserve Bank of Australia last month. In a research note released in October 28th, he portrayed the institution as a closed shop, recommended an overhaul of its board structure to include external economic expertise and in relation to Philip Lowe's unfortunate declaration that interest rates would remain at the emergency setting of 0.1% till 2024, said the RBA's forward guidance should never be calendar-based, either implicitly or explicitly. And he went on talking about uh, the uh, damage to the RBA's reputation. But then he says, let's go back to August 2020, when Hal Marek predicted the Australian recession would extend through that current quarter, a third consecutive quarter of negative growth. Nearly eight weeks through that quarter, he could make this prediction with proprietary confidence. Courtesy of the large role the Commonwealth Bank plays in the Australian economy, we can see the most recent deterioration in the labour market. Of course, when the national accounts landed in December 2020, we learned that the Australian economy had grown by 3.3% in that quarter. Hal Marek also predicted that the Australian economy would not return to its pre-COVID-19 size until the second half of calendar 2022 at the earliest. It actually reached its pre-COVID size in the first quarter of 2021. We give you the dismal science. And he goes through and basically smacks him and a few other guys around. So uh, you always say about predicting. Well, you can't predict. It's an economist of flogs because they, they can tell you what happened and why it happened, but they can't tell you what's going to happen. No one can. It's a fool's game. I can't remember who it was now. It's Howard Marks or one of these guys said, those who live by the crystal ball will end up eating broken glass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a great one, isn't it? And then I think it was way back in uh, in time, who was the guy? And I've forgotten. He said that uh, there's two types of forecasters, uh, those that know they can't forecast and those that don't know it yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we don't try to forecast. We just play it day by day. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if, if think of just think about the logical fallacy here. If anybody could forecast, if they could do it accurately, why the fuck are they working for the Commonwealth Bank? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, why don't they own the Commonwealth Bank? Right? <laughs> yeah, good point. They'd be selling their uh, in yeah, their tips for a million dollars, billion dollars. Yeah, or just or just backing them or just themselves. investing. Yeah. Oh, well, I've got another AFR article I'll read a little bit later on. But before that, let's do a portfolio update. Uh, The QAV dummy portfolio been running since uh, the 2nd of September 2019. Last week on the show, we we talked about benchmarks. Stephen Mab again had suggested we change to the uh, BetaShares 200 ETF, which we did, and you didn't like it. So I changed it back to the SPDR 200. Now, I remember last week when we were doing this segment, our portfolio since inception was up about 15, 16% versus the ETF, which was up 1% for the same period. And I was like, well, that's obviously wrong. Yeah. That's broken. So I switched it back to the SPDR 200 fund as the benchmark. Today, since inception, our portfolio, according to Nevexa, is up 17.00% per annum, CAGA, versus the SPDR 200 which is up 0.62% per annum over the same period. It's even worse than it or better, depending on which way you look at it. Yeah, I think SPDR 200 is probably not an accumulation index fund or accumulation benchmark to use. It's, that doesn't include dividends. I don't think I'm not 100% it is, sure. Though. You think it is? Oh, well, I looked this up when I was talking to Stephen about this a week or two ago. I'm pretty sure. Let me 
Let me read what it says in Invest Smart. This is uh, STW is the uh, code for this. Sorry. Oh, sorry. STW does. You're right. We look, we right. said that. Oh, so you've gone back to STW. Sorry, I thought you were using something else. No, it's STW that no, I'm STW using. STW so does include dividends, yeah. We're outperforming it by roughly 17 times. Well, we should just pack up and, you know, <laughs> stop giving tips. <laughs> just just keep backing ourselves because we are predicting we are. the future, baby. <laughs> <laughs> like how can that possibly, like our goal is to beat the market by double, to double it, to beat it by two times. We're currently beating it by 17 times. That's never happened in the three years we've been doing this. Normally, we've been three times a lot in the last year since the collapse, but 17 times. Doesn't make any sense, does it? No, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's got to be like a short-term horizon or something that's causing the problem. Or Nevex's Nevex's CAGA could be wrong (laughs) because you said it was 15% last week and now it's 17%. That sounds a bit fishy as well. It's gone up 2% per annum in the last week. But even if it's 15%, your point still holds. It's just, it's outrageous. I mean, look, we're good. You're good. The system's good. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. But (laughs) like (laughs) most people wouldn't believe us if we said on average we beat the market by two times, let alone by 17 times. That's just ridiculous. I think the problem is that the market's using too many economists to forecast where to invest. (laughs) (laughs) They're listening to the guy from the Commonwealth Bank. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> anyway, whatever it is, it's we're doing okay, I guess. In fact, we're doing okay across the board. Like for for you know, since the market crashed in April, there was a period there where I was saying, well, we're we're underperforming the market. We've been underperforming the market. That has changed. We're we're no longer underperforming the market, which uh, we'll get into when we tell one of our listeners' stories a little bit later on. We'll talk about that. Uh, speaking of things that have changed, gold. Is a buy again, I think, TK. Have you had a look at the gold chart in the last day or so? I have not. Alex pointed out to me yesterday that she thought it was um, a buy, and I had a look, and I think she's right. It's ticked back up. I think I can draw a second buy line, and I think it's probably good to go. Not that there's anything to buy necessarily. I think a lot of the gold <laughs> stocks, no, no gold stocks were on my buy list yesterday. I think they're all Josephine still. But gold itself is back to being a buy, I think. Yeah, that makes sense. I haven't looked at the chart. Sounds right, though, because I noticed all the gold stocks, gold miners jumped yesterday, some as much as nearly 10%. Right. Yeah, I noticed some were bumping up too. So maybe uh, as of today, maybe they're no longer Josephines. I haven't gone through and looked at the buy list yet today. Yeah, I'm just trying to do it now. No, I can't do it easily now. Sorry, I have to fill around with the chart a bit. But I, I would trust Alex. She comes from good stock. She'll know what she's doing. <laughs> <laughs> comes from good stock. <laughs> well, it's true. But, uh, <laughs> by the way, she won her uh, volleyball championship on Sunday night. I drove back from Cape Shank to Melbourne Uni to watch them. Oh, they did very fantastic. Well. Congratulations, yeah. Alex. Karen and Sean. I'm referring to her as the master now, uh, as per our discussion last week. She <laughs> yeah, says she said that. <laughs> She hasn't been given her masters yet, but that's like, yeah, you come from good stock, you know. You get, you get, what can I say? <laughs> Melbourne dinner update. Uh, so, for people in Melbourne, 
We were talking about doing something in lunch down at Cape Shank. Not enough people could make it because, sadly, they still have real jobs. <laughs> so we've moved it back to Paran. However, Andy, uh, who uh, can, owns the venue where we were planning on holding it, emailed me today and said he's not sure he can make it, which probably means his office won't be available. So he's going to confirm with me later today. So by the time this goes out, people should know, but um, hopefully it will be on at Andy's place in Paran where you've done it before on uh, Thursday night. Yeah, so I think the Facebook group said 6 o'clock, but I'm going to struggle to get there by 6, so maybe 7 o'clock is better start time. Okay, because you've if got you're a organizing. Course. I have, yeah. Cast is running on Thursday at Packenham at 5 o'clock, which I only found out today. So sorry for stuffing things around. Are you riding it? If I was riding it, I wouldn't back it, that's for sure. <laughs> I'd be riding overs. No, it's got to, the person who rides it's got to be 56 kilos or less. <laughs> Just one of your legs you could throw up. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) 56 kilos. Oh, my God. It's hard to find an adult that light, isn't it? I haven't weighed 56 kilos since about 1982, I think. How old were you then? 12. Yeah, I would have been about that. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I was always the tallest kid in the class, so yeah, I would have been about that probably when I was 12 as well. All right, I want to talk about this email we got from a QAV Club subscriber a couple of days ago. I'm not going to mention his name. I'll call him Bob, just to so we have something to call him, not his real name. He emailed us a very nice email. It's a very, very polite email, but he said he's been doing QAV for a year and um, it didn't go well for him. And so he's uh, quitting, cancelling his subscription. But he did send me all of his explanation why and his charts and everything, his table of the performance. And it was fascinating. It was really interesting. And, and, and it highlighted a number of things. But the most important thing and the main point I took away from it and I wanted to talk about on the show is for anyone listening out there, if you're a QAV Club subscriber and you've been following the system for some time, diligently, and you don't think your performance is where it should be. And the, the metric for that, I think, is our dummy portfolio. So if, you're, if your performance isn't at least as good, you know, within a margin of error as our dummy portfolio over the same time frame, obviously, you haven't been running from three years, but over like a three, six, 12-month period, whatever it is, if it's not within margin of error, please let me know. Contact me, say, hey, Cam, I think something's going wrong here. Can you have a look at this with me? Because when I looked at Bob's, it was immediately obvious to me why his performance wasn't what it should have been. Now, uh, there's no tack on Bob. Again, very nice, very thoughtful email. He thanked us for all of our time and effort in the podcast, et cetera, just said it didn't work for him. Now, his 12-month return, concluding in November, he started in November, concluding November, was negative 39% versus the ASX 200, which was negative 8%, he said. Now, this surprised me because our dummy portfolio over the same period of time, over that same November to November 12-month period, was down only 5%, versus the 200, which Nevexa tells me was down 9%. He said 8, I said 9, give it, you know, whatever. You split the difference. So we, you know, we're down over that period, but only half as much down as the benchmark, which is a win. You know, we can't uh, affect what the overall market does. Our job is to outperform the market. And if we don't drop as much as the market, that's in our performance. And we only dropped as half as much roughly as the market. So that's, we're on target there. Definitely a big difference between dropping 5% and 39% over that period. 
Now, uh, I just had a quick look through Bob's results that he sent me, and there was a couple of things that, a few basic errors that leapt out at me. The first was he had a lot of cells that he classified as rule one cells, but a lot of them were well over 10%. They were 16, 18, I think the one was 21% before he sold, and he called it a rule one cell. Now, Look, there, there are going to be instances where I don't sell exactly on 10%. Might be 11, might be 12. You know, I leave it to the next day and then it's maybe it might have, I can think of, I can think of one instance in the last year where something plummeted the morning before I could sell it. Uh, I think it was like a scandal of some sort, a CFO suddenly resigned or contract was lost or something. I can't recall the details. And there's been one or two instances where it was completely my fault. I mi- there was one just recently where I missed the alert until the next day and uh, I got distracted, didn't see it. And by the time I got to it, it had dropped down a lot more than the 10%, 15 or 16 or something like that. But there's only been a couple. Usually, I mean, I check my alerts every day. And if something's getting close, if it's getting to like, if it's at 8% or 9%, you know, I'll be paying attention to it the next day. And as soon as it goes over the 10, I'll execute a, a, a sell on it. But, you know, there's not many instances where I've sold more than 10 or 11%. And I sent him, Bob, a reply about this. And I said, well, it looks like you weren't really rule one because he was, he was complaining that he didn't think rule one worked. And he said, yeah, well, I, to be fair, I did leave it a little bit long sometimes. Sometimes he felt they'd plummeted too quickly for him to sell on rule one, but that hasn't been my experience. Secondly, one of his big losses was on GRR, Grange Resources. He bought it around about the same time we did, January this year, and we sold it early September when iron ore became a commodity sell, and we lost about 1% on it. We bought it at 77 cents, the same as he did. We sold it at 76.5. He sold it in October, like six weeks later, when it had massively plummeted as iron ore had plummeted. So he took a Took a bath. I think that one was sort of um, 21%. And he took, he, he lost on that. And then I also said to him, Well, uh, are you holding on to any stocks that have gone up over that period of time that are balanced? Because everything he sent me was all sells. There was nothing, well, I'm holding this and they've got to be said, No, I don't hold anything anymore. I bailed out in September after I'd done a bunch of rule ones. I bailed out. Now go look at the all odds for the last 12 months. The bottom of the All Lords was September, and then in October and November so far, it's it's been a choppy upturn, but it's been an upturn. Uh, it was quite a significant upturn in October, November. So by bailing out 10 months into his 12-month experiment, uh, he happened, unfortunately, to miss the last two months of rebound in the market as well. And you know, you're always banging on about staying fully invested because you never know when it's going to turn around. You can't predict it unless you're the chief economist of the Commonwealth Bank. You can't, you can't predict sure, it. You're sure it's not Bob's actual day job? <laughs> if it's not, he should apply for it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, that's called capitulation, though, Cam, isn't it? Like the yeah. hour gets so dark before the dawn that he's sold and packed up and gone home. And then, of course, the market turns. And again, I, I'm not having to go at Bob. No. I, I, I understand. It's, it's been a brutal year for it investors has. and particularly new investors who don't have the benefit of... Well, we're playing with house money, right? Even in the dummy portfolio, it's been up long enough so that even though it's been down in the last 
12 months. It hasn't, it's been with profits that we've been playing with. We haven't been losing our original capital. Yeah, like yeah. A, a year ago, we were up like 40%. Now we're up 17%. So, you know, it's come back a long way, but, you know, that's, that's how it works, right? We go up, you go down, you know, balances out over time. It is how it works, but the psychology comes into it. So I understand where Bob's coming from. He's given it a go. It's a particularly bad time to start. Market's been going down, interest rates rising, blah, 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 turbulence, Ukraine war, choppiness, and it hasn't worked for him. And look, it's it's not going to work for everyone, Cam. You're pointing out that he perhaps wasn't as diligent as you know someone who's going to adopt QAV needs to be. That um, That's going to be an issue, and it's not going to be for everyone. So he's you know, he may be doing the right thing. If he can't master the process, monitor the alerts, be diligent in selling, and then staying in the market, then he's better off probably not doing it himself. Or or the alternative is using something like QAV Lite to get a regular update on what to do. Yeah. And even that requires selling when I send out an email saying it's time to sell or buying when I say it's time to buy. You have to follow the system, but like the system is only as good as the system as the people who follow the system. You know, you, you, it is. I know there is a bunch of rules. You know, there's a learning curve. We all make mistakes. I, I continue to make mistakes. As I said just recently, I missed a seller. Mm, me too. We all make mistakes. Even TK and he's a and he's part machine, <laughs> and the other parts ice washing machine. <laughs> what kind of machine? <laughs> but. You do have to follow the rules if you want to get the sort of performance that we get. But my main point, the main thing I just wanted to stress is if there's anyone out there listening who feels like they are following QAV diligently and your performance isn't roughly what ours is and that because they, oh, everyone's performance should be roughly the same. It's going to it's going to differ depending on what stock you buy at what time and all those sorts of things. The if you're large caps and small yeah. caps and all that kind of stuff, yeah. But it should be within a rough, uh, I don't know what you call it, like a rough band. Or standard deviation, yeah. That's fancy talk. Don't don't hit me with your fancy talk at this hour of the morning. But <laughs> It's the afternoon. Yeah, don't kiss me with that mouth. Um, but <laughs> Sorry, it's all about talking about strippers off air before. So, uh, <laughs> my boys are in Vegas at the moment and I've been hearing some horrifying stories that I was sharing with Tony. I'm not going to share on the show because... You know, we don't know who's listening, sensitive stomachs and that kind of stuff. I don't know what you, whether or not you've just eaten, but <laughs> let me know. Like, and, and to, to Bob's credit, Bob had emailed me a lot over the last year and asked a lot of questions and questioned rule one. And we've asked a lot of his questions on the show. He was skeptical about rule one. Now I know why he was skeptical about <laughs> rule one because he wasn't actually doing rule one properly. And it, you know, it's, yeah. But that's the thing. I'm just saying to everybody, please. And look, I say this to everybody who signs up. I say, I'm here to help. Email me any time of the night or day, any question. That's what I'm here for. That's my job is to answer your questions and help. Uh, But please, 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 if you don't feel like your performance is where it should be, don't keep losing money and then capitulate and then say QAV doesn't work. Email me and let me see if I can figure out where you're going wrong. Because look, here's the thing. I'm an idiot. Anyone who's listened to this show for any period of time knows that particularly when it comes to investing and economics and the market and spreadsheets, I'm as dumb as they come. But it works for me because I can follow a system. 
you know, I, I, I relatively well. I still screw up, but I at least I I follow. System. And the system just works. Like I'm the proof uh, that this thing works because if if it works for me, uh, it can work for anyone. I'm as stupid as they come. If if if, if I can make it work, anyone should be able to make it work. Well, I'm not, you're pausing there for me to say, no, Cam, you're not stupid. No. <laughs> no, no, no. no. Uh, I just want to add a couple of things. It's Yeah, it's it's like baking a cake. We're following a recipe. You'll get better at baking cakes as you keep following recipes and occasionally the souffle won't rise. But um, over time, if you do it diligently, it'll work. I mean, a couple of things. I want to thank Bob for, for writing in with his details. That was That was interesting to go through understand completely where Bob's coming from. And I think Bob's approached it in the right way, strangely enough. He's, he's talked about not putting all his money into QAV. He's, he was running it as a trial, gave it 12 months, and it worked out it wasn't for him. So I think he's done everything right from, from that point of view. The second thing I want to say, Cam, is just be careful that uh, we're not giving personal advice. So we're happy to guide people and say, you know, this is how you apply Rule 1 or this is commodity sales or pay attention to alerts. But if people do email you, we can't. We can't uh, pick over what you've done and, and tell you what to do on a personal basis. So it'll be general general advice. Um, but uh, what you're saying is true. I think if people, we're, we're all busy in other things and it's probably become more my primary focus over the years, although I have other things going on. But for a lot of people, investing isn't their primary focus. They've got day jobs, they've got families, distractions, whatever. And so they do miss alerts or whatever. So it could help, I think, to touch base with someone like yourself every six months or 12 months and say, hey, how am I going? Could I improve sort of thing? I can see some benefit in that. I think, yeah, it's, it's, it was interesting and a bit sad reading Bob's emails, but um, I think he approached it in the right way. I, I think he'll do fine um, in the longer term by, by approaching things that way. And, and he probably learned a bit about himself and his risk tolerance and what he needs to do to um, secure his own future fire investing. And as you said earlier, and I know um, Buffett says this, and uh, I know Benjamin Graham said this, you know, this style of investing, yeah, it isn't for everybody. It, it, t- it takes a certain amount of, you know, risk tolerance. It takes a certain amount of discipline, willingness to trust a system, follow a system, all that kind of stuff, you know. There's so much psychology going on here, which is why we systematize things so we don't fall for the psychological traps. But, you know, like even Jenny, my wife, who's far smarter than I am, uh, held very senior roles in multinational companies. She's open in, in saying she couldn't do what I do. She'd get freaked out by it. She has a lower risk tolerance than I do. You know, I'll, I'll often sit down beside her and go, shit, I just lost a million bucks. And she'll go, I don't know how you do what you do. <laughs> I shouldn't say I often do. I have it from time to time said that to her. She just couldn't do it. And that's, that's the same for other people. It, it's a bit like being inoculated, you build up resistance as you go go along and um, become better at it. Yeah, that's, that's actually my goal is to lose a million bucks <laughs> and to be able to tell Chrissy about it and laugh it off. Really? Okay. Yes, yeah, that'd Just be a nice, nice, nice place to be. <laughs> well, speaking of uh, risk bias, it leads me to the second AFR article I wanted to talk about. I saw this this morning. This one is called how your loss aversion bias is losing you money. Subtitle, it's the reason you overreact to market drops and forget about the good years. This is from Ben Smythe, contributor. 
If you've recently started a self-managed super fund and are experiencing your first bear market, you might be questioning that decision. All major asset classes have suffered negative returns in 2022. Equities are down 20%. Bonds are posting their worst annual return in 30 years. Property, which is meant to double in value every 10 years, is falling. Bitcoin is worth 60% less than 12 months ago. And gold, once seen as a safe haven, is dropping in value, except for today. In these unusual times, the next logical question is, when will returns turn around? Just ask the chief economist at the Commonwealth Bank and then do the opposite, he says. No, I'm kidding. He doesn't say that. That's what I inserted. (laughs) (laughs) Forecasting the future when it comes to investment markets sits within the storytelling realm. It's great to hear and read what the experts predict will happen next, but the evidence shows that these papers and reports should really be filed in the fiction section. What SMSF investors can do is to be more aware of their investment biases, which, if managed and minimised, can save them a lot of money. Identifying behavioural challenges can stop you making an impulsive decision that could take years to correct. History shows that over the long term, the stock market averages a negative return once every four years. Investors often forget that what this means is that three out of four years are then, on average, providing positive returns. For example, the US S&P 500 index is down about 20% for the 2022 calendar year. However, consider previous returns of 29% in 2021, 18% in 2020, and 32% in 2019. The average return for the US S&P 500 index over the past five years, including 2022, is still averaging a little over 10% a year. Why then do investors panic when that negative year hits? The reason that positive returns of previous years are often forgotten when markets fall is because most investors have what is called a loss aversion bias. Daniel Kahneman, the Nobel Prize winner known for his work on the psychology of judgment and decision-making, notes that investors tend to experience twice the amount of psychological pain from losses compared with the psychological pleasure from gains. Pretty sure you've uh, mentioned that statement from Daniel Kahneman in the past on multiple occasions. Hurts twice as much to lose money as it feels good to make money. Which is perverse, but it's true. Yeah. Essentially, this means that you feel the pain of losses in your portfolio much more than you enjoy the good years. In the good years, you expect the market to deliver positive returns. But when markets fall, you beat yourself up and convince yourself that you should have seen this coming and done something to mitigate the paper loss. (laughs) This then leads to the next bias when markets are falling, and that is an action bias. This means that investors believe that taking action will improve their overall investment return. When markets are falling, this becomes more pronounced because coupled with a loss aversion bias, investors feel compelled to act to stop the pain. Whether this action is trading in and out of asset class positions or cashing out completely, the evidence is clear in almost all cases that reacting to falling markets by taking such actions will not result in higher investment returns. The do-nothing advice in times of volatility should be seen as a positive action based on the information and evidence rather than a negative action by someone who can't forecast the future. Superannuation by implication is a long-term game. What we do know is that investment markets provide great returns for long-term and patient investors by getting out of the way of the market and being alive to the inherent investment biases that we all face, you will give yourself the best chance to enjoy these positive years and rationally interpret the negative years. 
Ben Smythe is a partner and principal advisor of Minchin More Private Wealth, not associated with Tim Minchin, who's the focus of Australian story this week. Read the little bio on him in the ABC this morning. Fascinating. Really interesting story. Fascinating guy. Still married to his high school sweetheart. Well, I mean, great article. Thanks for reading it out. And um, I like some of the the phrases like don't get in the way of the market, just stay out of the way of the market. It is true. I mean, like we have been trading a lot more than we normally do. So perhaps I'm guilty of a system that does trade more in a in a protracted downturn, trying to protect our downside with rule ones and three point trend lines. Well, I think I think it would be what we've done, it would be no worse than than holding on rather than applying those rules and, and I think probably a little bit better. Hi everyone, Dennis, uh, the editor here. Uh, Cameron suggested I record you a small update on how things going on right now in Kiev. Uh, I always appreciate the opportunity to reach out to an audience and uh, share some information about Ukraine. Uh, this is going to be a small one. I didn't have time to prepare for this because of the blackouts we're having right now in uh, in capital and basically on all the territory of Ukraine but in Kyiv it's uh, the situation is worse than anywhere in other regions i know there's been information uh, from our mayor saying that uh, they're gonna Uh, they're going to plan out the evacuation from Kiev, but that's just the, the words were twisted a bit just like it always happens with the media right now. Nothing like that is going to actually happen. It's just the thing they plan to do in case things are going to get much, much worse right now. It's manageable and life here is kind of exotic, should I say. Uh, with these blackouts, uh, it's really hard to plan anything ahead of time. But we're we're holding up, you know, still fighting, still still holding up. Uh, the one point I wanted to bring up is that I know the news about the war and the news about this whole uh, situation can be frustrating. They can take up a, a lot of a lot of strength to actually deal with them with those news and i wanted to say that uh, we here in ukraine we unfortunately we don't have a chance to take a break from any of these any of these news any of this uh, these tragedies uh, happening almost every day but uh You can you can uh, take a break. You can live a normal life. You can ignore the news, and that's perfectly fine. I just wanted to say that if you feel the need to ignore it, if you feel the need to restore from all the all the informational noise about this, uh, please please feel free to do so, because. We can't, and you can, you can take a rest, but please uh, come back, c come back to us after you 
after you took a break from all of this and just drops drop a couple of words uh, of support on twitter or anywhere or any of your ukrainian friends uh, i promise they will appreciate this uh, i will appreciate this every time i see uh, people from abroad just like verbally supporting us it's uh, it's so much help- helpful it it really helps us a lot emotionally to hold up so yeah thank you thank you very much thank you very much for your attention thank you for sticking around till the end and thank you for supporting us in in any of the possible ways and that's the end of the free episode of qav for this week if you're a new listener i just should let you know how this works so we have a free episode every week runs for about half an hour we have a premium episode also every week it goes for another 30 to 60 minutes depending on how many questions we get it's where tony answers questions from our club members if you want to check out the premium episodes and all the other benefits of being a qav club member which is access to the checklist and and the bible and uh, the private facebook groups and the other comms channels that we have invites to the dinners zoom calls etc etc just sign up for the two-week free trial and check out all that stuff out you can do that at qavpodcast.com.au look for the um, free trial button there and if you uh, like the idea of value investing qav style but don't feel like you have the time or resources to uh, learn how to do qav for yourself think about signing up for qav light that's our relatively new service where we send you the stock tips every week. And then we also monitor those stocks in a portfolio. And if they become a sell, we email our QAV Lite members and tell them that it's time to sell that stock and what to replace it with. Check that out too. It's sort of a low effort way of doing QAV. Still better if you know how to do it yourself, I think, because Tony could get hit by a bus and then where are you but uh, you know while he's not <laughs> we can do this so check that out qavpodcast.com.au slash light l-i-g-h-t that's it if you don't want to sign up to any of those just keep listening to the free episodes and if you have any questions uh, shoot me an email you'll find that on our website too all right have a great week and good luck with your investing QAV Podcast is a production of Spacecraft Publishing Proprietary Limited, authorised representative of AFSL 520442, AFS representative number 00129217. Please don't make any investment decisions based solely on listening to this podcast. This is presented as general advice only, not personal financial advice. We don't know your personal financial circumstances. Please see a financial planner before making any investing decisions.